Welcome back to the Duck Podcast, Episode 5, We're Still Alive. Welcome back to the Duck Podcast. We're here with Kevin Lau, and of course, I'm Joel Adria. What's new, Kevin? Duck? Oh, um... The dock stations and all, well, basically the ASU radio group is now online streaming, finally, which we've been promising for quite some time now, and this is our first uh, Duck podcast episode in basically a month, because we were so busy for the month through the month of September with a lot of projects and stuff. Yeah, yeah. so um, today we're, we're sounding a bit crappy, because we've been playing games for the past, like, half hour. I don't know what Kevin's doing over at his house. Um, he's streaming, you know, things off his radio, so that takes a lot of bandwidth and we're exploding everything. So this week is the decrease in audio quality and it's been a month since we've done it, but hopefully we will get back up to our normal standard next week. Um, what we have been working on at school is this big, um, we have this big tournament at our school and we did one of the biggest opening ceremonies we've ever done. Uh, there's a lot of video and audio, dual huge projectors, and uh, lots of sound effects and music. Everything was tied together. It, w- it was really sort of a, a one-of-a-kind um, show for what's been going on in the past years um, for these opening ceremonies. So, you know, I, me and Kevin were basically... in put in charge of all that so it was a a lot of work but we're back and you know we've managed to get our act together there was a few weeks where kevin was just asleep so we couldn't really do it but (laughs) yeah so i want to talk about i want to catch up on all the stuff that we've done uh or that we've missed in the news um i'm going to start with the latest what i guess off of leopard Yes, I, I was going to start with Leopard. Um, today was the official, um, you know, Apple officially announces the release date type thing. Um, 10 days, October 26th at, it's exactly 10 days, 0 hours and 40 minutes. Although I don't know, yeah, sorry, no, that's wrong. 9 days, 22 hours and 20 minutes. 45 seconds as of right now it's 739 on tuesday um which is pretty exciting basically uh leopard is the new operating system for all macs that will be sold for 129 dollars in the u.s and canada for the first time in a very long time this is the first time that uh our dollar in Canada is on par with the U.S., and so we get to uh, pay the U.S. price on Mac OS X. It's pretty exciting. So I've heard that it will be released in a 64-bit version now. Yeah, Apple's done a bit of a unique thing with um, with their approach to the, the migration to 64-bit. Um, they've sort of, I guess, they did this sort of hybrid binary type thing, um, where 32-bit apps, 64-bit apps can run absolutely side-by-side. Side. It's one disk that runs on 32-bit and 64-bit operating systems. I have no idea how they do it. It's basically magic. Um, but I commend Apple for doing it because it's pretty neat how 
we can basically, if you have a 64-bit computer, you can run all your 32-bit apps and still use your 64-bit apps that and take advantage of those memory addresses. So it's pretty cool. Because our current 64-bit processors are already capable of natively running 32-bit code in 64-bit mode, so I guess that's really good for backwards compatibility because not everything is in 64-bit yet. However, I think this will be a really good push towards 64-bit because we, we need better support in that area right now. And it's great that Apple is basically making it a very um, uh, smooth transition, um, you know, that it wasn't such a revolutionary thing as it was with the Intel um, transition. What Windows is doing is they're basically, they're starting fresh. And I think for Windows, this is probably the best approach for them, is uh, all your apps need to be rewritten, and most of your code needs to be sort of signed um, or at least your drivers need to be signed from uh, from Microsoft and it basically will improve the security of Windows in the future the downside of that is all your old drivers are now um, obsolete uh, and the problem is is who's going to start that push to write all those new 64-bit drivers um, the thing is, is unless, you know, the user, the, the consumers aren't going to buy the 64-bit operating system when there's, until there's driver support, and the manufacturers aren't going to make it until people are actually using the 64-bit version of Windows. So, you know, who knows when that's going to happen? You know, it's going to be pretty, yeah. So, I'm happy Apple is going a more efficient route that way. Thoughts? Duck. Mm -hmm. Um, oh. Yeah, so basically... Oh. Uh, um, I what I was going to say. You forgot? You forgot what you were going to say? No. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. No, no. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Moving Did on. You, yeah. Um, so what's neat is that they're going to actually ship... You can pre-order it online. I don't. I can't remember if I wasn't really... Into I didn't have a Mac when they released 10.4, even though I did go to the party because I just didn't have a MacBook yet. Um, but basically, what's neat is you can you can pre-order today, and it will actually show up at your door on the 26th. So that's neat. I'm gonna order it online actually, um, along with iPod Nano Product Red. I'm going to purchase, and that will basically clean me out. That'll be my $350 that will finish me off. <laughs> I'll have no more money. So you decide to go on a nano instead? Yeah. Um, touch or like I've been going... Yeah, well, let's let's touch on the iPod Touch for a sec. Um, I've been going on and on about it, blah, 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 and then I sort of lost feelings for it. And now I'm starting to wonder if maybe it is the best thing. They did finally hack it, which is a big, a big thing for me. Because for a while there, it was sort of not looking very good. Like, it was, like, never going to be hacked. And even now, the hack they have now, which is both for the iPhone 1.2 and um, iPod Touch, is using an exploit in Safari. Basically, there's a, a TIFF exploit where um, you... <laughs> it's funny, the instructions they give you. Like, the, the, the hacker application is, visit, you know, www.blah, blah, 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 
and um, open the TIFF. Wait for Safari to crash and then run this application. <laughs> so, you know, it's a very hackish approach and 1.2.2 could easily, you know, patch the bug with the TIFF exploit and you'd be done for hacks. So you never know. Um, but, you know, I, I the iPod Touch could easily replace my PDA and that's why I'm sort of wondering, like, you know, I could sell you my Axim for 200 bucks or whatever and then I'd have enough money to buy the iPod Touch. Um, I don't know. But do you know why exactly Apple is trying to limit people from using third-party applications or making their own applications on the iPod Touch? I sort of understand the iPhone, all the contracts and such, which is really bad, but like the, uh, the iPod Touch is just any other device. and I don't think they're related to yeah. third-party carriers or anything, so... Well, I think for the first part of that is that, and I think they make that position clear when they, you know, they're, you know, disabling creating events in the iCalendar. Um, although apparently Steve Jobs said that, you know, they it was a bug and they didn't want to release it. They're going to release it later or something like that or something ridiculous like that. You know, maybe they will bring the apps to the iPhone, iPod Touch. Um, but I think the main thing is, is they didn't want to cannibalize sales of the iPhone. Um, and I think, I think they will bring, I think there'll be some software updates with the, with some proper applications on there. Um, but yeah, I think that's the main reason. Uh, and the other reason is, is Apple does like to make stable things. They like to have, make sure that, you know, and it's the same thing almost with the Mac is that, you know, it's designed securely so that, you know, your applications are within the boundaries of Apple's little rules sort of thing. And I mean, not necessarily, but they want, they want to keep it a tight, uh, a short leash on their products, I guess. And, you know, whatever. Basically, I wonder if there's a, uh, there would be a chance of exploiting, uh, through the software update thing. Cause that's the one way that you can, you know, change the firmware that's running on the device. Yeah, and basically, what how the, how Apple yeah how Apple does it is they have encrypted disk images, um, and those are transferred to the iPhone. From what I understood, I sort of hung out with the IRC kids um, for the iPod Touch for a little while just to see what was going on. Basically, yeah, these encrypted disk images are transferred to the iPod Touch or the iPhone, either one. And the iPod Touch itself then in decrypts it. So it's very, you know, hard to get around that. And even, you know, they never managed to decrypt these disk images. They did with the iPod, with the iPhone 1.1, I think it was. Um, but they didn't with, uh, they had to use an exploit in Safari for the for the latest. So, you know... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next topic. Um, right. So the iBrick actually happened, and I just just sort of follow up to that. They did um, uh, end up breaking basically when you upgraded to one point two point one. 
on the iPhone is you actually did end up wrecking some of the for those for those that un, unlocked their iPhone it actually ended up wrecking their whole thing and it ended up with bricked phones which is pretty bad and I think they are going the hacker community is releasing a fix for that but I don't think that's showed up yet so that's a that's a pretty big deal um so what else uh but there's there's something floating around that that we're seeing that like the, the bricked iPhones weren't exactly a direct cause of Apple. It was it was also partly related due to the hack. So you're saying that you know Apple wasn't it wasn't Apple's fault. It was actually a problem. Well, well it was a problem in the hack itself. Yeah. That's, that's no, definitely. Yeah, I don't think. I, can't I don't think it, this was a really vicious move on Apple's part. Um, it was more of a technical issue that you know it was hard to upgrade um are you still connected yes so uh i thought i'd talk about a little bit about q lab um which is what we've been using for uh are you still here okay um so i thought we'd talk a little bit about q lab which is um a great application if you're into uh for, of course you it's on the mac um if you're into uh theater technicians. Um, we do a lot of technical work at our school in, in the theater, and particularly with this event that we've been working on, um, I've been using a program called QLab. It's from a company called Figure 43. And basically what it lets you do is load all your, all your sound files, all your videos. Okay, basically you get the base version um, which let you do audio and, uh, yeah, basically basic audio. Um, and then you can buy certain plugins. It's a plugin model. And so if you need video, you can buy a video plugin. Um, there's sort of an expanded audio version uh, or plugin. And there's a bunch of other ones that let you sort of control your lighting board with MIDI and a million other things. It's really, really cool what you can do um, with all the plugins. Uh, but the base version is free, so you can try it out and use it forever. I, I use it for a very long time just with the um, sounds. And it's really nice if you're, uh, if you're doing a, a, a production where your audio needs to be ready, cued, and um, right on cue, you know, quickly. If you're going from one sound to the other, it's a lot faster than having to cue up CDs and fade through to the to the next one. Um, you can program in everything you need to do with fades and crossfades and repeat sounds and everything you need um, that can be then just activated with a space bar. You're ready to go. You hit space when your cue um, comes up. So it's really neat. I would definitely recommend it if you're any type of sound technician. Um, many, many people have been using it and a lot of sound engineers um, have been really, really uh, impressed with its ingenuity. So just thought I'd mention, throw that out there. That's figure 53, QLab. Um, so. For the rest of us in a pinch, we can use our presentation software to produce the same thing, sort of, not really. Yeah, and um, what basically sets us apart from, say, PowerPoint or uh, Keynote is... Unlike those programs, this is really designed so that you can, so that it's ready. With PowerPoint, you might hit space and 
it might take you know one or two seconds to load the video or um, that it it just sort of sits there or you need to load the whole presentation and then you know keep something off screen and all that uh, this is designed so that you can fade out fade in videos in and out um, efficiently so that you can do it right on cue I mean if you don't need those advanced features certainly keynote or PowerPoint would do the job um, but this re works really well if you do need that extra accuracy uh, next topic um, our school is planning on buying an FX1 and is it HVR FX1 Sony HDR FX1. HDR FX1. So that's exciting. Um, yeah, the HVR is a the HVR series is is for a, you know consumer grade. Yeah. So uh, professional prosumer camcorder uh, should be pretty exciting. It's not the latest, but I think it's certainly the most reliable from what I've read online. Kevin has one, and he seems to really like it. Shoot, what what really um, encouraged me was that it did HDV and DV so you can switch between the two some of the cameras these days basically you know you can shoot in high, defi high definition and that's great but you can't capture in standard SD um, which can be a problem for schools that you know maybe half their fleet of cameras are still um, DV or SD and they need to um, still be able to be backwards compatible with those so that's really great uh, I wrote down here quarter inch cables TS, TRS, XLR and RG6 um, cables we've been running cables and it's been kind of fun to make cables but not really <laughs> yeah um, yeah did you get my email about those cables that we need? Uh, pretty sure we did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. Okay, so let's move on to the Joel and Kevin pick of the week. Um, Which I don't really have, but yes. Yeah, okay. Sure. So my Mac pick of the week, well, it's actually, well, I'll, I'll fit the both of us in here then. Um, it's called Synergy. And what it lets you do is uh, use one keyboard and mouse um, to control many different computers. Um, it's an open source project. You can find it at synergy2.sourceforge.net. Um, that's S-O-U-R-C-E-F-O-R-G-E.net, for those of you who have never been to SourceForge. Uh, runs all the way down to Windows 95 through every Unix version in the world which is awesome. Um, all you need is TCP IP and an X server, and you're good to go. Uh, you install this. It's a tiny little application. Set up the server. Um, it's a bit tricky to configure some of the things, some of the, the, the uh, configuration files, but when you're, once you understand the concepts, it's actually pretty straightforward, especially for Windows. Windows is very easy to set up. The the tricky part is to say is it'll ask you to um, say which order the screens are in. So you say like I have my MacBook and I have my desktop. Um, you need to say MacBook is to the right of desktop and desktop is to the left of MacBook and that way it'll work properly. 
otherwise it's just you end up in this trap where you move your mouse over and it gets trapped in your in your other computer and you can't move it back. Um, I guess I didn't really explain it. Basically, it lets you use one keyboard and mouse on one computer and control all the others. Um, and so you can have like, you know, four computers running Mac, Windows, Unix, and Linux. Uh, and you can all control them with one keyboard and mouse. Much better than a KVM solution. Um, unless you don't have... Does it have any kind of lag? No, there's no lag uh, that I've noticed. Um, I've been using a wireless keyboard, so that was just the usual wireless keyboard lag. Um, but really, there's nothing. And I've been doing it over, like, 802.11b wireless, and you don't notice anything. Of course, there's no screen, um, like, virtualization going on. It's just the mouse and keyboard strokes um, that are being sent. So, you know, if you, it's an, it's not really a remote desktop solution. It's if you have five desktops sitting in front of you, you can control them all with one keyboard and mouse. Uh, so I guess it's not really KVM solution because so, if you, so there's no, there's, there's no, there's no video coming back from the, the device. Is that correct? No, you're expected to have like a monitor. So you only have a, yeah. So like it's only input only to the, the separate computers, so you're only like sending your human interface device output to the computers, but you're, you still have to watch on the separate screens, right? That's that's right, and it's um, so it's it's almost like you're plugging in your keyboard and mouse to different machines, um, but you still have to have the monitor in front of you, and you know, for me that's great because I have what four monitors right now. And I can control them all with one keyboard and mouse, and it doesn't matter what operating system I have. Um, there's been a similar thing um, done for the Mac called Teleport. Um, still in beta, but apparently there's supposed to be a, a release coming out soon. Freeware, you can look it up. And it lets you, it's the same concept, um, but it's much more user friendly if you have two Macs that you need to hook up. Um, it lets, gives you a nice graphical view of how things are ordered and. Um, bonjour and uh, encrypted and yeah. The other neat thing is that with uh, both of these products is that you can it it synchronizes the pasteboard, so you can copy and paste things between the machines, which is something you can't do with a KVM or anything else of that sort. So I thought that was pretty neat. Um, so you don't have any other mm. recommendations. Well, I don't have my I don't have my topic of the week, but uh, just like to mention that Folding at Home Six Beta One is now out, and uh, basically for the Linux platform, they used to have a, a for the console version on Linux. Well, there's no GUI on Linux, but anyway, uh, they used to have a separate symmetric client and then uh, a non-symmetric client, and basically on version six they've. Uh, Consolidated that into into one version, and it can handle both uh, single processor and multi-processor computers. And um, I, ha I haven't noticed anything about whether it's faster or more efficient in processing. But I guess it's because it's the first beta. It's uh, as usual. Folding is some, somewhat buggy, and sometimes your computer will totally die while processing a work unit. But then that's something you're gonna have to expect from from a data analysis in beta stage, but yeah, if you're involved in the folding project, have your own team, or if you're just working for another team, then you might want to look into trying out the beta version. That's all. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, is that, is there, um, 
does it uh so that that runs on all platforms though and they they release the beta on all all operating systems well the they they don't they don't do much development on the windows 98 95 98 clients anymore though yeah well but for, for all the other modern operating systems osx intel uh linux smp and um, single processor and the Windows GUI and all of those and the GPU clients they all have them all oh. new versions for them oh well that's good uh, we're discussing about uh, you know sharing your CPU cycles and that uh, <laughs> it's funny how they advertise it as um, you know idle CPU cycles like you know as if it's somehow you're wasting cycles but really, your computer does uh, go into a lower power state when it's not working, and it does use a lot of power. Um, as Kevin knows firsthand, if you're having all your machines folding in their idle uh, work periods, so it's you know it's not as easy and free as they make it off to be. But you know, it's definitely worth um, a thought to work on. So well, that's good because I'm using it to warm up my room right now. Because yeah, it's the definitely good heat source. It's gonna be something running anyway. Well, is that everything? Should we just wrap up? It's been about half an hour, but uh, we've had a few cut-ins that hopefully yeah, I'll be able to edit wrap out. Up our, I guess we. Yeah, I guess we should end our wrap up our episode. Um, so this is our sort of um, checking in just to make sure we're not dead. Yeah, but we sorry about the bad quality and you know how we have technical difficulties here and there. But yeah, yeah. Hopefully you didn't hear my neighbor was like you know pounding his driveway down because he's installing a new driveway and so he's pounding that uh, powder down the clay. Hopefully you didn't hear too much of that. And you know, we'll be checking in next week hopefully, and we'll have some interesting news stories to share with you. I'll have my actually no, it's not this week that. Leopard is being released it's next week, so next week maybe maybe on uh on Saturday we can have special review of leopard, even though you'll be like la la la, I don't know what leopard is <laughs> uh but hopefully we'll do that, and maybe if I'm really lucky, my iPod will come before that, and we can review that on the Tuesday so uh is there anything I just gonna tell blah 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 was there something? Oh yes. Um Yeah. Okay. Until next time, I'm Joel okay. Adria. I'm Kevin Lau. And this is the Deck Podcast. <laughs> For more information about the Deck Podcast, visit duck.joel.ca. That's D-U-C-K dot J-O-L-E dot C-A. There you'll find information about our personal websites and the HTR network.